What up, fuckers? It's Andy of the One Up Pod. You found me in a remote cabin high up in the mountains as I planned to watch a meteor shower all by myself for some reason. Being stuck out in the middle of nowhere on a creepy night such as this has got me thinking about some of my favourite horror movies growing up that were set in remote locations, such as The Evil Dead, several Friday the 13ths, or Care Bears the Movie 2, A New Generation. This then got me thinking about some recent video games that touched on similar concepts, namely Supermassive's duet of horror games, Until Dawn and The Quarry. Let's just ignore the Dark Chronicles games for now. These games are very different in many ways, but share just enough connective tissue to make a competitive comparison interesting. Certainly enough to keep me entertained while I wait for this meteor shower to start, and stave off that unshakable feeling that I'm being watched. Ugh. So join me as I openly acknowledge my poor phone signal for video game deathmatch until dawn versus the quarry. For this episode, I will be looking at five categories. One, characters. Two, story. Three, location, location, location. Four, gameplay. And five, the scare factor. The game of the most wins will be declared the winner. Oh, the meteor shower starting. Ah, shit, I left my telescope in the car. Just hold on a second while I go outside and get it. Someone there. Okay, I I'll just walk through the window instead of outside. It's a bit cold outside, so that that's what this is. So join me inside for round one. Round one. Characters. Wow, this is a really pretty meteor shower. And it's going on a lot longer than I was led to believe. It almost makes the crazy amount of money I spent on this Airbnb worth it. So for this category, we'll focus primarily on the core cast, as they're the ones you're trying to keep alive, or trying to kill off as dramatically as possible. So their effectiveness as characters is important. I will name the actors of key characters, but not for everybody. I don't mean to be disrespectful to the cast, but I've only got so much time on my hands, so I need to prioritize. Power just went out. It's okay, I'm pretty sure I saw a flashlight in one of these drawers. King James Bible? No, that's not it. Aha! Found it. Wait, what, what is this? Some sort of big leather-bound book. Oh god, it's a fucking scrapbook, isn't it? I hope the owners don't ask everyone to sign this or something. Fucking stupid. Wait, what's this? Wait, this is weird. It's 
full of old newspaper clippings. According to the stories, the last time a meteor shower was seen over these mountains, a terrible tragedy befell a cabin of seven teenagers. A distress call was made, and by the time authorities reached them, all but one of the teens was dead, and the sole survivor was committed to an insane asylum. He was accused of the murders. Well, this is a frankly poor choice of decor for a rental. I would have suggested a coffee table book of tasteful nude photographs, but that's just me. So, Until Dawn has eight playable characters. We have Sam, played by hero star Hayden Panettiere, Chris, Matt, Ashley, Emily, Mike, played by Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. standout Brett Dalton, Jess, and finally Josh, played by baffling Oscar winner Rami Malek. Sam, Chris, and Ashley are all immediately likeable characters. Mike starts out quite abrasive and unlikable, but assuming you keep him alive long enough, goes through the best character arc in the game and becomes the game's de facto Bruce Campbell role. He is the unlikely hero slash punching bag. Jessica and Emily are both annoying and varying degrees of awful to be around. It will depend on the person you ask which one is the worst, but without fail when someone has to choose their least liked character it's one of these two. Matt is largely eh, just forgettable. He's amenable enough that you tried to keep him alive, but you would accept him as collateral damage if he did die. And Josh is a creepy little weirdo. There's a good balance of characters here, some you root for, some you actively conspire against, and some that surprise you along the way. It ensures every playthrough with every possible combination of survivors and fatalities results in an entertaining story. I should probably find that fuse box instead of talking into a flashlight. The Quarry has nine playable characters. Laura, Max, played by Skylar Kizando from The Righteous Gemstones. Apologies if I said your name wrong. Abigail, played by Ariel Winter from Modern Family. Caitlin, Nicholas, Emma. Ryan, played by Justice Smith from Detective Pikachu. Dylan, played by Miles Robbins from Halloween 2018. And Jacob. Of these characters, Laura, Max, Abigail, Caitlin, and Ryan are all likeable. Nicholas is a lord of nothing, Emma is alright, Dylan is deliberately annoying, and Jacob is an annoying jerk-off. <laughs> ah! Fucking shit of a table! Ah! I should look where I'm going. Ah, fuck. Sorry. As far as supporting roles go, the quarry has a better selection of roles and character actors to fill them. David Arquette, Ted Raimi, Ethan Suppley, Lance Henriksen, Grace Zabriskie, and Lynn Shea. It's just an absurd lineup of genre talent there. This gives the quarry some significant sway and a strong argument for winning this round, but the most critical factor is the main characters. And in that regard, Until Dawn has a better range of character types and degrees of player investment. The quarry makes the mistake of having too many likeable characters, which sounds stupid, but you want a few of these characters to piss you off enough that you maybe enjoy seeing them die. Part of the fun of a horror movie is picking out a character you'd really like to see get fucked up and the quarry makes that a bit more difficult than others. You're generally left with two options, maybe. Plus, no character in the quarry has an arc as rewarding and gripping as Mike's. The winner for this round is Until Dawn. Ah, I found the switch. Oh, Jesus. I thought I saw something outside. I'm sure it's just a large raccoon or something. Round two, story.
While stories are not critical to a good horror game, it is appreciated when one tries to keep the player guessing all the way. Both Until Dawn and The Quarry are loaded with plot twists, surprising pivots and monstrous mythology. I will avoid explicit spoilers here because part of the fun of these games is discovering the beats by yourself in your own way. I will address the approach to both stories and their effectiveness at telling them, but in doing so certain details can't be avoided. So if you'd rather not hear anything story related, I will provide a warning and then a timestamp to skip ahead. I'm considerate like that. <laughs> I've really started to notice how quiet it is around here. It's, it's weirding me out. I'm going to stick the radio on in the background so all the creaking and bumping noises don't give me a nervous breakdown. Breaking news. Trevor Ames, the mass murderer sponsored ah, for a conveniently timed news alert. What is this? An interference or some shit. I think maybe the meteor shower is fucking with the radio signals. I'm picking up some weird stuff right now. Okay, I've enough of this shit. Until Dawn sees a group of old friends return to a cabin in the snowy mountains, one year after a tragedy saw two of their friends disappear. As the night progresses, things begin to feel off as some of the friends appear to see spooky apparitions. Others are terrorised by a psycho clown in a mask, all while being spied on by another creepy dude with a gas mask and a flamethrower. It's a lot to take on, but the game's initial phases balance out these seemingly separate dangers really quite well and the dread builds effectively until the big reveal shifts things into focus, introducing Wendigos into the mix. Hello? Can I help you? I'm one of the park rangers. I don't know if you heard, there's a masked madman on the loose. So please remain locked up and- oh, Fuck! Fuck, 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 fuck. He just slashed that man's throat! I need to barricade this Oh fuck, there's blood coming out of the door! Slipping. Hopefully this will hold. While I go and check the back door is secure, let's quickly get into the quarry. The quarry has fewer moving parts, but keeps things more focused and can spend more time sustaining its build without having to constantly throw curveballs in. There's some initial misleads involving a hillbilly family, but the crux of the story involves a werewolf curse, which brings with it some ghostly elements. Both games offer interludes where a character discusses your progress. In Until Dawn, it's a mysterious psychiatrist played by Peter Stormare, and in The Quarry, it's a spooky witch lady played by Grace Zabriskie. Without giving too much away, The Quarry's interludes have more bearing on the bigger story, well, until Dawn's use of the format falls apart somewhere around the halfway mark, but sticks around for far longer than it should due to an adherence to the established structure. Oh, it's the back door, and it looks like it's been locked. Ta, you locked out your bell end. Fuck off elsewhere. Yeah, that's what I thought, you little bitch. So, I need to be vaguely spoilery here. 
so if you wish to avoid even the faintest hint of detail, please skip ahead to 13 minutes and 7 seconds. So there is a recurring issue with supermassive horror games where they love to throw fake-outs at the audience, and they are all over until dawn. Ghosts are a fake-out, the psycho clown is a fake-out, even the nature of the flamethrower guy is not what it seems. The only thing that is ever genuine is the Wendigos. There's enough meat to Until Dawn's story that it never feels like it's sinking the story, like it did numerous times with the Dark Pictures series. But it does undermine the game's replay factor when you know the entire first act is no longer actually dangerous. The quarry avoids fakeouts, everything is legit feeling, the hillbillies are violent bastards, the werewolves are real, even the ghosts are real. Maybe the game is playing the expectation that there'll be fakeouts in it due to Supermassive's track record, but even if it's not deliberate, the fact that there isn't a swerve at any point in itself feels like a massive swerve. And now we'll join everybody else who'd wanted to avoid the spoilers. Even when it never has a real plot twist to throw the audience for a loop, the quarry still manages to surprise and enthrall the player with its constant escalating danger, and I appreciate that it avoids some of Supermassive's more frustrating quirks as storytellers. With all that in mind, the winner for this round is the quarry. Wait, why is my car on? Oh, fuck, did I leave my car keys outside? Oh, Jesus! Oh. He appears to have knocked himself out, stupid cunt. I'm making a run for it. I'll see you in round three. Round three. Location. made my way into the dark, dense forest behind my cabin. I need to make it inland and find some help. I'm, I'm sure I passed a ranger station along this way. As I now realise, the importance of a location cannot be overstated. Like, I now wish I'd just booked a weekend at Disneyland, where the odds of being harassed by a creep in a mask is still very high, but done in a socially acceptable way. Until Dawn's setting is perfect for a survival horror game. The cabin on a mountain is sizable in its build and remote in its location, a perfect ground base for the mayhem that will unfold. There's also the deep and treacherous mines, a rickety watchtower, and a burnt out insane asylum nestled in the mountains, with winding and barren paths connecting them all. Every step of your journey through the setting is creepy and makes perfect sense for this story. Fuck, I think he's on my trail. I'm gonna hide behind this tree. The quarry has a classic setting, the remote summer camp in the woods. The problem is, there's not a lot else to it. There are different spots within the camp, like the fire pit, the lake, the cabins, but not a lot in the way of big surprises. The hillbilly cabin is pretty elaborate and creepy, but it's also to be expected. There's nothing that takes you aback, nothing that drastically changes the mood or the tempo of the story when you discover it. It's consistent, which is appreciated, 
but it doesn't keep you on edge or make you feel completely cut off from the world in the way that Until Dawn setting did. Ah, oh, fuck, he's coming back. Let's just hurry this along. I think I know where the ranger station is now. So for its depth of locations, winner here is Until Dawn. Oh, that was a quick round. Round 4. Gameplay. Oh thank fuck, the ranger station. They can radio for help. And I'm assuming they have some sort of weapons in there for fending off angry bears. Hey, 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 anyone in there? Hello? Fucking lunatic and a mask just killed one of your guys. We need to call the police. The real police, not the tree police. Hello? Oh. The door's unlocked. Hello? <gasps> fuck's sake. Why is it so quiet in here? Oh, fuck. It's a ranger with a pair of gardening shears stuck in his skull. Oh, my God. Ah! And another ranger, whose jaw ripped open, and a Rolodex has been stuffed in his mouth. The fuck? Ugh. Ugh. And another ranger, he's been decapitated, and his head stuffed in a microwave. <laughs> and another ranger, stabbed once in the chest. Damn. I guess this guy ran out of ideas at some point. I'm just going to lock the door at the station, just in case he comes back. I don't want to die, especially not in a boring way. Don't like that bell. Okay, that should buy us some time. So while I check the building for other ways in, let's talk gameplay. Until Dawn plays very much like your standard interactive drama. If you played a game by Quantic Dream or Telltale, you know the deal. You move a character around different screens, sometimes there's a fixed camera, sometimes you can move it around a little, but generally in navigating the spaces remains the same. You interact with different objects to discover clues. Certain clues will unlock visions of the future that give you a heads up about potential dangers. You make key decisions throughout the game, and these choices create branching narratives and can have repercussions much later in the game, sometimes quite unexpectedly. The game calls this system the butterfly effect. Oh. According to this elaborately drawn map, a cable car that brings people up the mountain is near here. Okay, that's a solid plan B, even if I hate cable cars to the point of being quite irrational. I just don't like that they're dangling in the air. It's freaky. Okay, never mind. There are quick time events during big sequences, particularly chase scenes, and there's one recurring mechanic called Don't Move, where you must hold your controller perfectly still to avoid being detected. This is a frustrating mechanic that did not consider the impact this would have on players with disabilities that caused them to shake. I mean, I struggle with very slight tremors, not in a debilitating way, but it definitely caused issues in this game based on how unforgiving it is at times. So you can imagine how much this might impact other gamers. Oh, a radio transmitter. Oh, I could use this to call for help. Fucking hell. All the wires have been cut. I, I think I can bind them together and it might work again? I mean, I am the son of an electrician, I should know this stuff, but... Okay, while I try and sort through this shit, let's talk to the quarry. The game plays very much like its predecessor in many ways, 
the in-game premonitions are replaced by mid-chapter tarot readings that can present hints of what to expect, should you choose to take the reader up on our offer. It lets you decide if you want to know anything, and it does it in a way that doesn't cut into the flow of the action. Personally, I quite preferred this approach. The don't move mechanic returns, albeit in a more fine-tuned form, as Supermassive had been tweaking this concept through the Dark Pictures games. Now rather than testing steady hands, it tests your judgement. You are given a scenario and the option to move, and you need to use all the information around you to determine when the best time to make your move is, or whether you want to move at all. It becomes a decision-making challenge rather than a test of your reflexes. Again, this feels more in line with other major components of the game and levels the playing field for all players. It was another big improvement. The game also offers multiplayer, both couch and online, much like the Dark Pictures games. In local play, players take turns controlling different characters. In online mode, other players can vote in key decisions. The game also offers a movie mode, where players can set their personality traits of different characters and then sit back and watch the story play out. This is a fun concept for those who want to experience the story more, but are tired of playing it, or just plain tired. Some of us work a lot, you know. <laughs> it's working. Is anyone out there? Hey, hello, is anyone out there? There's a killer rampaging through the witch's pass. Okay, now that I say it out loud, I really should have thought twice about booking a weekend here. Anyway, I repeat, there is a man in a mask attacking people in the witch's pass. Over. Please respond. Sorry, over properly now. Over. Hello, is anyone there? Hello? My boat is stranded in the ocean. A weird storm is rolling in and I'm scared. Send help, please. Over. What? Who is this? Over. don't have time for this. What the fuck? Fuck. I have to go. Over and out. What? I've got to sneak out the back here. Hopefully he hasn't spotted me. For the massive player improvements to core mechanics, as well as introducing some fun new multiplayer features, the winner for this round is the quarry. I'll see you in round five. I'm making a run for the cable car. Round 5. The Scare Factor Oh, I made it. The cable car is up ahead. As always, horror games need to be scary to be effective. You can get a lot wrong, but if you scare people enough, they will overlook all manner of faults. Until dawn, at least in that initial playthrough, is scary as fuck from start to finish. The disorienting chaos of the opening flashback, the slow burn creepiness of the opening act, when numerous threats come into focus, the claustrophobic terror of the mind sequences and the insane asylum, the seemingly unstoppable Wendy ghost putting your nerves through the shredder. The game throws so many curveballs your way and finds inventive ways to potentially kill off its cast, keeping you a nervous wreck at all times. The opening act loses some of its zing in replays, but a good jump scare will always work to some degree, even if the sense of threat dissipates quite quickly. However, everything in the final two acts remains gripping and terrifying no matter how many times I return to it. It's a perfectly executed horror movie turned into a video game. Okay, I'm at the cable car station. Oh, fuck, fuck, the cable car's still here. Hello? Is anyone here? Hey, what are you doing in here? The cable car's done for the day. Come back at 8. 
No, you don't understand. We have to get off this mountain. Something very bad is happening. There's a mass killer on the loose. Sure thing, you raisin cake. Get out of here. Please, please just help me start the car. I'm serious. We need to get out of here. Don't touch that key. Okay, so I'm assuming that starts the car then. Cool. I'm doing this with or without you, so... Oh, fuck. Without you, then. Shit. He's trying to block me getting to the car. It's already in motion. Not so scary now your chainsaw's stuck in a metal frame, you eerie cunt. got me pretty good. Uh, That's a pretty deep stab. Oh boy. Okay. Let me check this emergency bag on the cable car. I'm sure there's something. Okay. There's a, there's a flare gun. A pack of gum. And a Walkman with a Christmas Mega Mix tape inside it. Oh fuck. But none of this is particularly useful for a stab word. Uh, I think I'll be okay if I can get to the hospital once I'm back on the ground. Oh. If I get desperate, I'll just stick the wound together with the gum. Oh, oh it's grape flavour, never mind. Now, so I've got a ways to go until we reach the bottom, so let's finish talking about the quarry. <clears throat> ah, tastes like pennies. The quarry is noticeably less successful at creating atmosphere in the opening moments. Oh. It's more focused on establishing characters and the central location. But when things escalate into horror, it has a more sustained aura of danger because the nature of the threat is more focused. Most of the quarry is about werewolves. <laughs> it only briefly shares a spotlight of psycho hillbillies. And even then, their story is very much tied into the werewolves. Ugh. So most of the quarry scares revolve around that one thing. Until Dawn had to portion out different types of scares for the first half of the game's story, and it led to a very different mood. The quarry scares come in the form of sudden attacks and mounting suspicions about who is infected with the werewolf curse. The game does lean on the former more than the latter, but the scenes where you are trying to work out who's a werewolf tap into that paranoia of one of the best scenes in Until Dawn's third act. Oh wow, the meter shower's still going. I didn't notice. It looks really pretty from here. Is, is this the best scene in the house? Pool of blood? <coughs> when the quarry works, it's incredibly effective. But the game lacks the crushing isolation and suffocating atmosphere until dawn. And while Until Dawn's horror is broader and less focused, it does mean it gets to try more things, even with the greater frequency of fake-outs. The scares in Until Dawn feel more thought out and memorable. Fuck, those meteors are getting close. 
Oh, fuck off. Somehow he managed to climb onto the fucking car. Whoa, fuck. Fucking meteor just clipped the car. Oh, oh shit. I've got to think fast. I've got something in the bag just for this. Not you. Aha! Happy Halloween, motherfucker. The winner is until dawn, by the way. Final thoughts. that worked. He just fell right off the fucking edge. Oh. But that meteor seems to have damaged this cable car pretty badly. <laughs> it doesn't look like I'm making it to the bottom at an appropriate speed at any rate. So to wrap things up, the winner is Until Dawn, 3 to 2, but the quarry has the superior gameplay mechanics until Dawn succeeded in the more critical areas. It has characters you're invested in, a location that makes them feel isolated from safety, and a level of intensity that makes you scared for them the entire time. As a horror game experience, Until Dawn remains one of the most entertaining and thrilling out there, but both games are a great time and you're guaranteed a really fun, spooky time, whichever one you happen to pick up to play. Okay. I should probably get to the outro while I'm still suspended in the air. On the bright side, at least it won't be the stab that kills me this time. I don't want to join that guy's body count. I'll let the cosmos take this W. So, thank you for listening. If this is your first video game deathmatch, please go back and listen to previous episodes. And if you're new to the podcast entirely, also check out all of our other content. You can find me on Twitter at truly underscore defective, and you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at one up pod. That's one U P P odd with one D. <coughs> so I'll see you around, no doubt. And in the meantime, don't forget to get a life.